All right, everybody, welcome back in. It is a special week uh, here on the StuCast. Uh, we've got our big college football show this week, obviously. It's uh, it's hate week. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's a week where terrorism will not prevail. And we're going to be on the front lines. We'll get to that. Stop in terror. Uh, a lot of things on the board for you. Coming out later this week on Friday, we're going to be dropping a special uh, college basketball preview with our friend Jim Root from the three-man weave, JC. Uh, my boy, he'll be on there at some point because the SEC basketball season is about ready to tip off. I'm sure you got a few thoughts about how great Tom Crane is, so we'll get to that. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Also, odds on its truth. Check it out. Those We're having a lot of fun. There's a great link to join on Chalkboard Messaging, giving out a lot of winners on there. Uh, so hit that up and stay tuned for that on YouTube in the In The Money YouTube channel. Uh, check it out and support us. Uh, let, abbreviated show, I'm sorry. Normally we tape on Wednesday nights. I'm going to be at the Wings Caps game probably fighting some Caps fans. Punches are going to be thrown. Beer going to be thrown. It is what it is. Wings are in town. That's it. That's, you know, it's Steve Eisenman. It's Sergei Fedorov. Punch you in your face. Hockey. Uh, so we're taping a little early, and it's going to be split up because JC, I mean, he's a man, uh, you know, that's busy. He ain't got, he ain't got my time like I do. He's busy. He's got things going from UGA Wire, from, I mean, the Braves in the World Series, all this stuff. J.C. Shelton, uh, congrats on being in the World Series. Congrats on having the best team in the country. You, you, life's, life's probably pretty good for you right now. You know, it is, Stu. It, well, first off, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Um, I'm glad I could do story time with J.C. this week. But I will say, being a Georgia sports fan right now, it's unprecedented for most Georgia sports fans, and especially me, because unless you're like 50 years old, 60 years old, and you saw you know Georgia win a national championship in 1980, and then we're there for the Remember Braves. Remember Dale Evans coming up the bat and Phil Negro throwing a knuckleball. <sighs> for the first time since I was – one years old, we are in the World Series. I don't really know what to think about it, but just pure joy. I mean, a Saturday was a tremendous experience, not because of college football. Uh, Georgia was off, and then I it, it was just a bad weekend. We could get into that. I mean, Stu felt that too, but oh, yeah. yeah. But that hey, that night, that night made it all worth it because when when Braves got that last out. It, I felt like Truist Park in the battery was transferred into Flanagan's downtown Athens. It was just hype all around, tequila shots. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful feeling. From a Braves fan that, you know, I really love my Braves. You know, I, I'm kind of like I can be a kid when we talk about the Braves because I don't cover it. It's not something I do professionally. So I get to be a little kid when we talk about Braves fandom. And so I hopefully get to go to a game. I know Bobcats are Braves fans too. So I'm trying to uh, trying to try to get in there with Bobcat. Maybe I have to go see a game with him. Bobcat um, Bobcat knows people. Look, it, it, yeah, that's what I'm trying to use that, that 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 connection, man. He's jet setting right now, Bobcat. I know he's got tickets to a World Series game. 
he he had told me last week that he bought tickets. So Bobcat, yeah, he told me the same. Hook up JC. Come on now. Let's let's yeah. get the kid going. By the way, this exactly. I, you make me feel super old because this is like my fifth or sixth World Series with the Braves uh, being in it. So it's that's like, amazing. Well, that, that's amazing, Stu. Um, you look great for being how old you are. Um, I, I will mean, say that. I, I well, if you just take in the three or four years prior to you being born. They were in the World Series like three or four times. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, it I, what, is I, what it is. When, when I came into the world, the Braves started to go down. All right. And now we're back. We are back. And no, folks, so there's not a coincidence. And, exactly. And, and, well, well, listen, we have to bring up how just horrible that the Astros are in the World Series. They should be banned. They should just be banned from the postseason for being blatant cheaters, getting caught. MLB did nothing. Are you kidding me? How does that even make sense? How do we let that slide? The trash I don't know. The people should have against the Bravos. Exactly. And if I get even a sniff of them cheating, I'm going to be writing letters, making calls. I, I'm going to personally start an uproar of the American people, the American baseball fans against them if they have any, any, like, any signs of cheating whatsoever. And I think the Braves could do this in five. They really could. I mean, they're just the the momentum, the Astros being just blatant cheaters. I don't think the world, I don't think time and space is going to let them win this. Um, but Georgia sports fans, so it could happen. But moving on to Georgia Bulldogs, number one team in the country, coming off a of bye week. Got a new podcast this week, UJ Football Live with J.C. Shelton. Check that out anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, Georgia versus Florida world's largest outdoor cocktail party gonna have a guy who is in the georgia florida hall of fame aaron murray quarterback sec all-time leading passer and you know what Stu? listen to this when you get in that hall of fame you get like a uh what, what do you call those things that the hall of famers get in the nfl is it called a cast is that what it is yeah you get like a bus yeah, yeah but yeah, you get one of those that's incredible no right kidding. It's that it's that big, yeah. And Aaron Murray was showing me his. They they call him Bob or something, uh, but it, it was pretty cool to talk with him about that because he knows a lot about that Georgia team and the Florida team covering the SEC for CBS Sports. So check that out for us and ujwire.com, As always, got your Georgia football coverage too. Well, let's start there. We brought up cheaters. We brought up Georgia football. Hey, Dan Mullen. Uh, not saying he's a cheater, uh, but he <laughs> does eat pumpkins. So Georgia. Lane 14 in Jacksonville. What a what a great town uh, against the Gators. Uh, JC, I mean, it, it feels like 14 is a gift. It feels like it's a real gift because uh, this Georgia team has not been tested by anybody. No, no, not since that first game against a Clemson team who is who is playing a lot better if you look back at this, especially defensively. They were healthy. They're missing some guys down that side of the ball. They're giving up a little bit more yards and more points, and they can't score themselves, really. Um, but I will say that it, it, we think back to this Georgia-Florida matchup. Let's think back to last year. It was the first time Mullen and Florida have gotten a win against Kirby Smart in Jacksonville, 44-28. Um, to 28. They laid it on Georgia at the last part of that game. It was closer than that when Stetson Bennett, before he went out with an injury, um, and Florida was able to pile it on with Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask. The thing about it this year is – 
it's just a completely different Florida team, and it's a better Georgia team. We know that statistically, the way they've played. But but on Florida's side, they're four and three. And what really sticks out to me when you when you think about it, Florida gave up 321 yards to an LSU team that struggled to run all year. And we talked about that on this show and, and, and got throttled by Ole Miss last week. And we were all, we were all on LSU. <laughs> if you remember that, we were all on LSU. We did not awesome. see that. We did not see that Ole Miss just coming out and absolutely throttling. They really dominated them. Defensively, uh, defensively, they they just killed yeah. LSU. They made they made LSU offense that had looked like it was improving, and especially in the run game, right? Because those 321 yards against UF and in the pass game with Johnson. Uh, but Ole Miss just absolutely killed them with a defense that isn't very good. Uh, but I guess it's improving, right? I feel well, like Ole know, Miss is just giving us a, a different game each week. C- CVD uh, it, it was talking to me, and I remember this after the Louisville Ole Miss game, and he was saying that, you know, yeah, and people crap on Malik Cunningham and Louisville's offense, but it, it, it's still got some firepower to it. it, it it's still capable of putting up 20 or 30 points. Uh, easily against bad defense if you look what they've done against Florida State etc in the ACC and look Ole Miss Ole Miss was flying to the ball just kind of pummeling them this Ole Miss defense is not bad and although the offense I think is obviously it's a step down from last year with Elijah Moore and that uh, healthy uh, Mingo healthy uh jerry O'Neilly, all that stuff it's taken a step back but i mean all things considered it, it's still as potent i think to a certain extent as they were last year yeah yeah and we look back to the florida the same defense that's given up you know they gave up the 321 to lsu is giving up 300 yards 340 yards per game total and uga is gaining 430 per game Florida has thrown the most interceptions in college football this year. That's really the story there is the quarterback situation, right? Richardson, Emory Jones, they have a minus seven turnover margin. Um, but that said, you know, Florida's offense can be explosive. They're getting 500 yards per game, including 254 on the ground, which is second in the SEC. And with the help of, of two running quarterbacks is really the, the crust, right? The crux there, right? No, is no, let Anthony- me – let me ask you, JC, it, 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 we're talking about the quarterbacks. I, I think all of us are kind of, we, we kind of know what Emory Jones is going to give you. Richardson yeah. is so dynamic. He, he strikes me as a guy that by the time he's leaving, he's going to be a top five NFL guy. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Matt Corral without that passing ability yet, but you can develop that. I think his arm is lively enough. I was going to say, if Florida is smart here, they're going to start and stick with Anthony Richardson for the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and, I agree. especially this game, right? And they had let's let's we can't go without mentioning that both teams are coming off a bye week. Dan Mullen, with all his flaws, which there are many, he can game plan for an offense. He can he can call plays. Um, it, but Emory Jones has thrown nine picks to ten touchdowns, and it's just. What, what sticks out to me here, and if you, if you just pay attention to that all-22 view and watch the field and watch him play football, he's flat out late with most of his throws. That's just what it comes down to. But Richardson has that upside of, yeah, he's a young passer, and he's late with some of his throws as well right now. But compared to Emory Jones, who's been a Florida quarterback for, what, four years now? Richardson's a freshman, 12.4 yards per carry right now. And he would be the quickest running back or running quarterback, I should say, that the dogs have faced all season. 
But when you mention that, you've got to mention, although, you know, he will be the quickest running quarterback that Georgia has faced and, and, and Florida's number two in the SEC in rushing, so was Arkansas and so was Auburn when they played Georgia. And that's two of the top rushing quarterbacks in the SEC. KJ Jefferson, Bo Nix combined for minus 10 yards on 18 carries. Minus 10. I will say that, you know, Dan Mullen, right, does that game plan well. The performance versus Bama, I think, shows that just as a play caller and, and getting an Alabama defense who hadn't looked that bad yet. I know they have had some issues this year defensively, but that all started with that Florida game. Um, and, and especially a linebacker for Alabama and in the secondary. But Georgia, on the other side, has the best front seven in the country and the best linebacker in the country in Nicobe Dean. And, and we'll have starting safety Chris Smith back, starting corner Amir Speed back on Saturday. Remember that bye week's helping. I think Florida has the ability to possibly stretch the field here vertically, but that all depends on the run game, right? If they can get some gashes on the run game and, and get Georgia a little off balance with that QB run, which as an offense, that's a huge advantage to have, but they still running offenses with a QB haven't been able to do that against Georgia somehow, just because Georgia is so dominant up front right now. Right. But if they can get them off balance a little bit, they can get gashes down the field. Because Richardson, he can chunk it, right? Emory Jones, when when he uh, when he makes a good throw and he, and he stands in the pocket and sees the defense, he can make a good throw. Um, but you add the fact that Georgia's run game themselves has improved each and every week, the emergence of Stetson Bennett. I see UGA covering fourteen easily with with because of the reasons I said about UF defensively, especially um, JT Daniels could see playing time as well. But both quarterbacks have had a lot of success in this Todd Monken system, no matter who it is. And Georgia should have more receivers healthy for this one as well, coming off that bye. So I'd be comfortable, and you said it before we started, it's almost a gift with Georgia at 14. I would say Georgia by 17 is, is, is a lock. All right, you're approaching Bobcat territory with that alternate line there. Um, yeah, no, that, that, that would one... be like, no, let's let's run it back 10. That's what he goes like 10. I, that's three. Come on, let's do three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, push the line to Georgia minus 47. Um, yeah, that, that would be a Bobcat move. Well, we, we've got a ton of absolute stunner uh, of a rivalry week almost uh, before the big rivalry week at the end of the year. Penn State, Ohio State, uh, nighttime game. But another rivalry game up north, uh, a team from Ann Arbor, goes to East Lansing to face the mighty Spartans uh, at noon. The Spartans getting three and a half. JC, uh, no pressure here. What's your take on this one? Well, I will say that you said three and a half. I had them at Michigan four and a half. So, so it's four and a half to three and a half. I, I, I've seen some books starting to come down a little bit, but yeah. yeah. So what officially am I picking at? We'll go four and a half. Okay, cool. So that rolls with what I have. That, that sounds good. Um, a, few a few things that stand out to me here. Michigan State's off a of bye. They've got home advantage. Um, Michigan, the biggest road environment they played is what, Wisconsin and Nebraska. Um, Wisconsin usually stands out there in that home field advantage uh, part. Well, I will say that we talked about this year a little bit, and I've really harped on this, is, is that fact that a, a home crowd and that advantage, when you are a good team or a story program, that home field advantage this year is sticking out to me a little bit more. Defenses are playing a little bit better. They, 
you know, the crowd drives defense. Um, but just talking about the team specifically, like Peyton Thorne, I think can stretch the field when needed, and he's shown he can do that. And then with the benefit of you know, Kenneth Walker at running back and how well he's playing, I like him. I like that offense. Cade McNara, Mc, McNamara, what McNamara. is that his name? McNamara. Good grief. That's, that's just a hard one on the eyes. Uh, averaging 7.6 yards per pass. That's pretty horrible. While Thorne is averaging 9.3. Uh, that's on uh, 40 more per attempts for Thorne. Um, so that, what that shows me is just Michigan is not really stretching the field. Um, they, I'm not saying they can't, and I think they have. They, they have chunk plays. They have plays that have stretched the field. But I think that Michigan State's offense is just a little bit more well-balanced as far as stretching defenses out, getting guys off balance, and, and especially with Walker and that, that power at running back. Now, Michigan is averaging a ton of yards on, the rush, on rushing, right? Uh, they can run the ball as well. I think Michigan does have the defensive advantage here. You know, giving up 299 a game compared to 406 for MSU. But that said, you know, this MSU offense is just the best that Michigan will have faced all season. Um, I'm a huge fan of the way Walker runs, like I said, how Thorne has spun it so far this year. I think Michigan and Stu, don't cry, will get the win here. But it's going to be a three-point game. I think Michigan, and they have a chance at winning this for sure. I would not be surprised whatsoever if they squeak this one out. But I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. Do, do Big Ten fans like the 12 kickoff? I, I, don't, I feel like I don't hear them complain. So, An SEC so, team gets a 12 kickoff, and we are up in arms. So in, in Detroit, there's a lot of people pissed off that this is the noon game. It should be the night game. Uh, yeah. I know Michigan State wanted a night game, but Penn State, Ohio State, when they picked uh, two weeks ago, looked like a much bigger game than what it's turned out to be. Yeah. Um, thoughts and prayers to <laughs> the Nittany Lions because they're going to get fucking creamed this week. Uh, but yeah, so no, we're not happy about it. Um, I, I'm not happy about it because uh, either my day's really great or um, I'm curled up in a ball. Um, yeah. Well, I, I would just, if I'm a Michigan State fan, so I, I, if I'm putting my stew pants on, those big, beautiful pants, I'm thinking, okay, I've got a coach that knows how to defensive scheme really better than most of the coaches in college football because of his background and Mel Tucker, right? And then you have a running game as, as impressive as it has been, but you're going up a Michigan against a Michigan front seven that's the second highest rated in college football, I believe. So they're going to get tested. Both, both Michigan of, State's not far they're not what you're right. Michigan is. They're they're you're top right. ten in PFF. But talking about that matchup specifically to me is really stands out. Even I know, like you said, yeah, Michigan's I front agree. seven is good as well. But I think Michigan's offense just hasn't hasn't been that explosive. So the really the big matchup here for me is that is that state offense and that Michigan defense, which Michigan has relied on all year, right? Because McNamara he hasn't shown me that he can make those big time throws. I mean when you're so this game is going to come down to what what you do on third down, what you do in the passing game on third down, because you're probably not going to have a bunch of third and shorts, right? Because of how yeah. well both defenses have played, how big a game this is. Michigan State's off that by, so Mel Tucker's had two weeks to look at this offense. So I really I, I'd be I'd be feeling good if I'm a Michigan State fan, especially having it at home at twelve. I I would feel good about it for sure. 
I, I think it's much more of a pick up. You, you, you can easily make yeah. a, a call to say like, like you did that Michigan, you lean Michigan. Um, and you can easily find a way Michigan state wins this game as well. Uh, like you said, I think it really does come down to how does this Michigan state offensive line stack up against this Michigan D line. And, and we won't know that until the third, fourth quarter, right? Because we, we won't. the way yeah. that Michigan state runs that ball, it's like a Derrick Henry offense, just comparing them, not trying to put Kenneth Walker on that, on that time of a uh, type of a, like a pick them there to get to be like Derrick Henry. Uh, but, he wears down guys, right? He, he breaks so many tackles and the offensive line pushes people, right? So we'll find out who's winning that matchup third or fourth quarter. You won't know in the first half. All right, JC, let's get to your picks. Uh, 22, 11, and one coming off a three and two week. Both your dogs lose, but you still have a uh, winning week three and two. Eight and one on the locks, folks. Uh, pretty much, if it's a lock for JC, it should be a lock for you. JC, where are you going here? What are, what's the dog's record now, Sue? Seven and four. I started like seven and zero, oh, didn't I? Or like six yeah. and one. That was that's one. incredible. It's just been it's been a it's been a crappy couple of weeks for your boy with the dogs. Started out it's, so well. It's the hardest one to get. Yeah, but I will say that I, I'm I'm leaning away from picking Pac-12 games. It's just hard Smart. for me for some reason. Is it hard for everyone? Like to pack twelve guys, pick it better. Maybe they might. I think know there's only been team. one. There's only been one pack twelve game I actually like have hit this year, and I was pretty confident in. And that yeah. was Arizona at home against Washington. Yeah, I didn't pick that one, so I don't know if I even won a pack twelve game, but I know for a fact I've lost a few. Yeah. So I'm going to try to stick away from that this week. So I'll go ahead and give you. I got three locks for you, two dogs. Okay. Yeah, so – and I got, what, two more two or one more. Uh, but I'll just add that at the end. So, let's start with the locks here. Missouri at Vanderbilt. Mizzou's got 16, right? Minus 16, Missouri? Yes. Okay. I like what Missouri does on offense. And I think their defense is, is plenty good enough to start, stop a horrible Vanderbilt team, offense in particular. They're an embarrassment. They have no home field advantage. They're going to lose most of their best players to transfer this season. Take Missouri. Um, I think they're going to put up – man, they'll put up 40, 50 points on Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt's not going to get close to that. So, I think 16's a gift. Um, the other lock here, and we've already talked about it, so I won't harp on it, Georgia versus UF. Take Georgia. I said you're good to 17 probably more, but you're good to 17 for sure, I think. Um, and then the other lock here, number 12, Kentucky at Mississippi State. I, I don't know what Vegas knows that we don't. Uh, but Kentucky is what just has one minus one here versus okay. Miss State at Miss State. I know it's you go and play in Starkville. It can be a, a rowdy environment, um, but with a defense like Kentucky has and I, a team that I saw play up close who went toe to toe with Georgia offensive defensive line for a little while until they just started getting dominated. Um, they play Georgia just as good as Clemson did. And Clemson had a bunch of All-Americans on that defense before they went out. And I really like Kentucky and what they do. I think they're the third best team in the SEC. I think I think Kentucky Ole Miss would be very interesting. Um, they have, their defense has proven a lot to me. Their run game, Chris Rodriguez, is pretty lethal. Um, I like Mississippi State's defense this year. I think they've done some good stuff. And I know that Mike Leach will have those guys throwing it down the field. 
but can you get Kentucky off balance enough and that front seven off balance enough to really make some gash plays and score points? I don't think so. I think Kentucky wins by 10. Um, yeah, and they're coming off a bye too, so keep that in mind. And then we'll go to the dogs here. What, wait, I missed one of your locks there. You got Virginia? No, no, no. Missouri Vanderbilt, Mizzou's the lock, Georgia's the lock, and then Kentucky's the lock. Okay. Go to so your we, dogs. Yeah, two dogs here. Um, Florida State at Clemson. Clemson's minus 10, right, Stu? Yes. Okay, so I like FSU here just because Clemson cannot score points. 20 points per game. And that's an ACC schedule, guys. Even uh, that's with just Tommy astounding. Fu Manchu. Yes, even with Tommy Fu Manchu. Um, I, I like the Florida State's been able to score this year. I mean, they're not very good, if that if that makes sense. But I mean, they're, they're sticking in it better than most teams in the ACC. Um, I think they've had some some good quality matchups with guys. That Notre Dame stands out to me. Um, but I think they can score. Clemson has issues. I know Clemson's defense is is better here, especially on paper than Florida State's, but I, I think Clemson doesn't score enough points to get that 10. So it could be a seven-point game. I expect Clemson to win this, but I think it's like a seven-point game. So give me FSU there. And then the last dog here, and this is my last pick, so I didn't have extra ones. This is the last pick. Um, Purdue at Nebraska. Give me Purdue. I mean, Nebraska is, gritty, is a gritty team, I, I think, and I think they're good enough to give anybody like problems in the Big Ten. But so is Iowa. I know Purdue didn't have a great showing last week, and I did take them last week too. Uh, but I think their ability just to just stick with teams and stick with anyone in the Big Ten, Purdue's ability, um, I think it's a field goal game at Nebraska. I know Nebraska has that home field advantage, but I think it's a field goal game. I don't know, seven and a half is what I have Nebraska. Yeah, at. I have it at seven and a half. And yeah, Adrian Martinez is like, oh my God, Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, up or down though, right? He's had some good games. He's had some great games, but there's moments. I mean, he let's call space spade. He lost a Michigan game. He lost a Michigan State game. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I won't put the Illinois loss on him because there was some dumb penalties and it was just poorly coached. But yeah, yeah. He, I mean, you, you look at you look at his body of work, and and the guy's a turnover machine. Yeah, and then when you have two gritty teams like that who are pretty well balanced on paper against each other. I think I don't I don't see how you get over a touchdown difference here. So I really like Purdue to keep it within that, maybe even win outright, because they've shown they could just be a whole different team week to week and and get be really good one week, especially against that game against Iowa just stands out. That's incredible. Um and that's not too far removed. So I, I can't say after just that one loss that they're a completely different team and they suck. So yeah, give me give me Purdue there. And that's the picks. All righty. Once again, Purdue plus seven and a half, Florida State plus 10, Locks, Georgia, Kentucky, and Mizzou. All right, JC, where can the good people find you before we let you get back to whatever it is young people do nowadays? Just, just making moves, baby. Snaps. Getting that snaps. bread, Stu. I, I don't stay on that stuff, bro. I just get the bread. But um, <laughs> UGAWire.com, part of the USA Today's College Wire Network. That's where we've got your Georgia football coverage. Me, I'm at I'm on Twitter at J underscore Shelton underscore, and then at UGA Football Live on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Check us out there. Um, let me know what you think of your picks, and if you're doing better than me, please let me know so I can just get on that right now. Uh, but thanks, Stu. I appreciate you having me on, buddy.
Always, man. And uh, I got a uh, listener question specifically for you. Uh, thoughts on Rutgers football from Rob in New Brunswick? I have zero thoughts on Rutgers football. I have not looked at Rutgers football. I haven't looked at one stat sheet of Rutgers all year. Uh, that's that's the thoughts on that. Sorry to disappoint you there, bud. You hate to see it, Rutgers football not getting any love down south. Uh, do you know what state Rutgers is in? Is that Maryland? Well said, JC. Well said. All right. We'll have you back next week. We're going to be back together. The family's coming back together. Uh, until then, best of luck to you. Check out Aaron Murray uh, podcast with JC. That should be out right by the time this, this drops. Um, oh, yeah. I'm going to be checking it out as always. Does, does a great job over there. JC. Go Bravos. I'll talk to you next week, brother. Yes, sir. Go Braves. Go Braves. All right. After these words, Mr. Tuesday night, Chris Van Dyne with his picks. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Van Dyne from North Coast Sports. You'll hear me here every week during football season with my main man, Stu, from the StuCast. And just want to let everyone know we got a lot going on at North Coast. We got Power Sweep coming up. Going to be releasing that at the end of August. And get on board for Power Sweep at ncsports.com. Definitely check out our podcast on ncsports.com. And like I said, you'll hear me every week giving out some of the best handicapping picks that you will get in the industry uh, with Stu and Bobcat every week here as well as at north coast sports ncsports.com and we're looking forward to football season all right back with a guy he's he's eating up nights of the week he is mr tuesday night he is the whole fucking show chris van Dyke. cvd how are you brother I'm good. I'm good. You always give me such a positive, exciting introduction. I feel like I let you down when you join our podcast. You, you are <laughs> my Rob Van Dam. Okay. You remember ECW RVD? You remember. You you used to watch no, ECW. Really? I mean, I do, but I did not watch it. I did not watch it. I'll send you some clips. That's real wrestling, okay? That's real wrestling. You don't want to go there, Stu. <laughs> you will you will end up with an hour of me going into a diatribe about about fake competition wrestling. Let me let me talk to you about Dan Gable. All right. Uh, we can do that. Yeah, we can. Uh, CBD. Uh, it, yeah, you kind of hinted at it. This week, check out Power Sweep Podcast. I know you probably are anyway. Um, if not, just for Jim's picks. Jim's been on fire this year for some reason. It's like he sold his soul to a voodoo priestess or something. Uh, great, great breakdowns by the boys over there at NC Sports. And you have uh, myself. And I encourage you to listen this week, if only for the fact that uh, it's probably going to be the last time I'm invited on. <laughs> hey J jim and robbie actually like it, so. oh good good as long as i pop, like, that was awesome 
<laughs> I just want to okay. pop them. That's it. I hope you enjoy it. It's not meant to be too. It's like 74% true about how I really feel. But uh, look, Chris, you're coming off a tough week on our show, tough week on on uh, Power Sweep Podcast. This week, you, you know, hey, Eastern Carolina gets that cover for you. You go two and three this week. Standing at 21, 17, and one, six and two on the locks, four and four on the dogs. Uh, I texted you last week. I, I said, I, I'm throwing my hands up. I don't know what to say anymore because there's, it feels like we think we know a team. We see a great setup. The line jogs with it. Like everything's going in our way. And last week was a freight train. I lost you there for a second, Stu. Well, I said last week was a freight train, even though everything was lining up. You know, it, it was – we actually had, at least at North Coast, a really good week. We ended up settling on Texas a was our game of the month, and that was uh, what we in the office like to call a skull fuck. Yeah. Um, and we ended up using Ohio State and East Carolina as our two four stars on Saturday. So our uh, our Saturday late phones went four and three. You know, A and M was dominant. Ohio State was dominant. East Carolina pulled it out. Um, Nevada also got us a backdoor cover, and we lost the other three plays pretty brutally. UAB was one of them you alluded to. Um, I did not have a personally good week. I'm a little mad at myself for some of the decisions I made on Saturday, but always a bounce back. I'm excited. I think I've got some good stuff this week and uh, I think it's going to be a good weekend. Well, before we get to the picks, I want to pick your brain on some games. Um, I know earlier today, me and you talked over the Auburn Ole Miss game. I don't want to rehash it. Um, I'm not going to rehash the Michigan, Michigan state game. We talked about it. Uh, Chris, you gave your thoughts. Listen to Power Sweep, folks. If you want, those are two key games. Go listen there. Chris, I'm going to open the floor to you. This doesn't have to be a pick in your section. We still haven't got the picks. What game do you want to talk about? Oh, wow. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, I'm throwing it out. Anything that pops to mind, anything. I'll, can I lead off? Can I lead off with the game? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'll give you this. I swear to God, I swore off betting on Syracuse. I've been put in Syracuse jail. It's right next to Georgia Tech jail. I'm not allowed to bet Georgia Tech anymore. Um, God, help me, stop me. I'm seeing the Eric Dungy. I'm seeing uh, Turner just run all over the place. I I feel like he's – a Closing in on a thousand yards. He's right behind K9. Um, shout out to the Heisman. Tucker already passed. Oh, you already passed K9? Yeah. He's well, a, he's above a thousand. Well, he got an extra game. Look, here's the thing. I, I keep chopping. Uh this run game works, the offensive line works. I couldn't envision this Syracuse team before the season going down to Blacksburg and winning. Schrader's got it going. They're developing a little bit of a passing game. Um, 
I, I love it. And you contrast it with a Boston College team that, you know, again, we're coming to this thing where it feels like they got deflated when Yurkovic went out. Uh, Gross is okay. I like, I agree with you. You like him. I, I think he's okay. I he's think Darvo's okay. Yeah, I, I just think you got a lot of okayness. And uh, like our, our boys from Piscataway, they went down, uh, they were in Las Vegas. And, you know, they were they were telling us the same thing. Like, uh, up close and personal, the Boston College team on the sidelines looked deflated. They looked like they were just there. They're throwing the ball out. And the Carrier Dome's not a joke, especially for a team that's fighting for a bowl game. I, I got it at four and a half when it opened up, and I felt comfortable about that. Six, I'm – I, I, it's it's inching closer to not playing it. What are you thinking on this? Well, if you read Power Sweep, uh, you'll know that this is actually our underdog play of the week. We really like Boston College here. A um, couple reasons. First, they are not intimidated by the Carrier Dome. They have won the last three in the Carrier Dome, including the last two years. This is actually weird occurrence but third straight year they're playing in the carrier dome and they've won the last two there uh the last time syracuse was an acc favorite was 2019 they played boston college at home and boston college was getting four and a half and won 58 27 um eagles i agree with you they've been mildly disappointing Two weeks ago, it was a close game at halftime, 10-7 uh, against NC State. Had some weird things go wrong in the second half. Their punter dropped a snap, and it got returned for a touchdown. They had a pass tipped in the air, uh, and NC State caught it and ran it 79 yards for a touchdown. It really turned that game around. They ended up giving up a safety, I believe. They lost 33-7. Uh, our offense has been disappointing, but I still think they have the offensive line. Uh Syracuse gave up 260 yards to a pedestrian Virginia Tech rushing attack last week. So I think Garwo, Garwo will have room. Um, and really, when you look at Syracuse, so earlier in the year, uh, you, you have some success against non-conference teams. You beat Ohio. You, you lose a turnover battle to Rutgers. You beat Albany. Uh, you had a good win against Liberty, but Liberty's not turning out to be quite what we thought they were uh, compared to last year. You lose to Florida State on the road. It was a Florida State team that came in 0-4 at the time. Uh, you, now, the, the one game I was really impressed with them was Clemson. They played Clemson tough. I mean, uh, uh, or Wake Forest, I mean. They played Wake Forest tough, lost in overtime. Uh, at home against Clemson, they're down 17-7. They have a 75-yard pass on third down that really uh, got them back in the game. If they don't get that pass, Clemson probably does win that game by double digits. And then last week, they're down, I, I believe it was uh, nine points, or uh, they were down two scores with uh, – couple minutes left basically I think two and a half minutes left they get a touchdown and get the ball back and they go down and get a 45 yard touchdown with 19 seconds left that was a very fortunate win last week against Virginia Tech so I'm not going to give them too much credit yet Virginia Tech 17 and I mean Boston College 17 7 and 1 is an away dog I really like Halfley in this role I think that Boston College will get their offense going in the carrier dome where it tends to be a little bit more offensive in that dome um 
I'm just not ready to anoint Syracuse yet. So uh, we, we called for the upset. I definitely think with the line raising uh, to getting six now, I believe. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's up to six now. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Boston College. I mean, uh, getting those points because to me, they have the offensive line to control the game, and their their quarterback is not turnover prone. He's not going to make big mistakes. He's not going to really wow you, but I do like Boston College to keep this game closer than six at the very least. You know, I I will say this, and I want to get your opinion on this because you're a guy that watches a lot of football. Is there something to be said? for hey they get punched in the mouth they come back they come back with a big play against clemson they they're nip and tuck with a wake forest team that's a top three top five passing offense in the country <clears throat> they should have lost that game in vatek if this is a syracuse team that we've come to know the last couple seasons and they came out and they won that i mean you before the season, when you said Trader could be Eric Dungy light for them, and I think he's full Eric. I think we're approaching full Eric Dungy territory, and that makes this team like extremely. Yes, I get. I kind of see your point. That's why six is too much for me uh, to take Syracuse. Like four and a half, I can kind of get behind. I could kind of see um, and take a shot with it. But, man, I just – I'm kind of pulling for Dino. I'm kind of pulling for the Orangemen to get into a bowl game. It's just more fun when Syracuse is playing UTEP in the Boca Raton Bowl. I think they are absolutely playing better, and I was a big fan of Syracuse. I should have pulled the trigger on the over and their season win total because I thought the potential was there. I'll be honest, one of the things that bothered me was – all the talk about the veto starting at the beginning of the year. Yeah. It took, it took them. Now he's in the portal. As he probably should be. Um, I would have waited until the season ended. I don't know why he insisted on going when he did, but hey, look, maybe. Hey, look, Bowling Green is going to welcome him with open arms. He's going to do great things. Interesting idea. I, a couple guys in the office that I work with, Matt and Adam, would probably love that because I think T Tommy DeVito actually is a good passing quarterback. He's going that to could, the MAC, Chris. He's going to the MAC, and I, he's I he's going to improve a MAC football team next year. Yes, because he can throw. He has just played behind atrocious offensive lines of Syracuse, and it, it's hindered him because I mean, last year they had to move a fullback to guard because they didn't have any offense. I, I think it's a little bit of shell shock i i think it's like chase bryce syndrome where you got yeah. him to app state and this year they can protect him because you got noel you got cameron peoples he can get protected he can just do the play action now he, he's not the five-star all-world quarterback but he's serviceable he's a he's a okay to decent College quarterback. I, maybe that's it. Uh, Chris, is there a game that pops to your mind while we pontificate about some ACC football? Oh, man. Um, yeah, see, I'm trying to go outside the ACC, and the only game that sticks out to me is a game I want to give out as my lock. Oh, you know what? I will – I'll throw uh, one other game that I think is – Come on, we love some Conference USA. 
hell, I mean, you know, Harvard off a tough letdown. I don't oh, know. Maybe man, that, was, I, that was so disappointed in that. So, so close. That was, that would have been a big win. Harvard got so screwed up. Is that going to ruin their chance to win the Ivy? Yeah. Yeah. Not ruin my prediction. My, my, my prediction is probably dead. Uh, I'm going to look at, uh, but the referees apologize. So it's okay, Chris. Uh, our favorite, our favorite team, our favorite quarterback, Bailey Zappi, Western Kentucky. He, Bailey, we love you. Hilltoppers, we love you. Yes, great. Jared Burns, we love you. Holy hell! That oh dude is the kid, the kid is. Uh, I mean, every single game, it's like uh, twenty receptions. I mean, he's like a PPR dream. Yeah, uh, but I, I was. I was dead set that this was going to be a big play for us this week. Western Kentucky playing a Charlotte defense that can go through spurts. You saw what happened last week. They were winning nine, seven and a half time against FAU on national television. And then the second half, they just absolutely laid an egg, got shut out 31, nothing in the second half. It wasn't even a fluky 31. There weren't turnovers and stuff involved. They just got beat. Um, but then the line came out at 18, I think is the current line. That's too much for me, especially for Western Kentucky, who their defense is uh, not spectacular. They just got uh, sucked into a backdoor push by FIU. Charlotte's pass defense is bad. That That's a pass defense that uh, I believe we have ranked number 121 in the country. They've given up a 16 to two ratio. Bailey Zappi walking in with his, uh, uh, what is it now? Uh, 29 to 4 ratio. Can I can I ask you a question? Yeah. Where is FIU? Because FIU I thought was even worse than Charlotte. They were uh slightly below. And FIU has one interception on the season. Now what happened in that game? Um, I didn't see rain. No, no, the, I, I was expecting weather, and I actually I saw there wasn't weather, so I bet it, and I was Wishing there would have been weather because I wouldn't have bet it. Um, you know what? I don't know because they got off to a slow start. I know that. And that, that is something that Western that plagued Western Kentucky all year is slow starts. It takes them a, it, if they if if they don't get off to a slow start at uh Mikey Stadium, they beat Army. Yeah. Yeah. They got Bailey, off starts off, Bailey starts off the game with like a pick every other game. Like yep. first drive interception. It's like, what, yep. what you got to throw a pick to get it started. <laughs> it seems like I'd be willing to bet all four of his interceptions. He's thrown her in the first half of the games. And I, probably no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Yeah. But you know, once he gets going, man, they are tough to stop. Uh, that I don't know though. I don't know what happened last week. I can't really explain that because I expected both their offense and their defense to, you know, put up points and give up points. But um, I, th I think that you will see Western Kentucky get back to the high scoring games. I, I don't think you're going to see them be held down more than one game at a time. Uh, really, two games because they didn't put up great numbers against Old Dominion. Old Dominion does have a pretty decent defense though. So uh, Charlotte's secondary, though, is bad. They are really bad. And I you think give that up, you give up 30 points to FIU. I mean, that's tough. Well, yeah, FIU also uh, was it a 
Well, I, yeah, no, I'm thinking when FIU played FA, FAU, FAU put up like 70. It, yeah, it was like 58 to like 20. My, here, here's my – probably with 700 yards. I, I'm, I saw this game, and I have this game on my sheet, but I like the under here. Uh, right now I got the under at, let me see here, 73. I'm kind of seeing a team, and you know this from college basketball, the fastest teams, sometimes they just you, they have slow stretches. I think Western Kentucky is starting to see, oh, wait, you mean if we slow down and our defense isn't going out on the field after two minutes, a, a minute and a half break, oh, if we slow it down and we have some drives here, I, I think that's what you're starting to see a little bit of. I mean – and the, the Western Kentucky defense has responded. Those last two weeks, FIU should have been an over game. There is not one thing, even though FIU is god-awful, there's not one thing on paper that should make that game go 20 points under in a you know non-range situation. No. Um, it tells me that they're trying to slow down Western Kentucky a little bit. I think the defense is playing a little bit better. Charlotte is – they're kind of inept on offense. Defensively, they're very bleh. I mean, because I think their front seven's okay um, for Conference USA standards. But I, I like the under here. I just think we're, we're going to start to see Western Kentucky not cover big spreads. I would, by the way, I, I'm taking Charlotte plus the 18 here. I don't blame you here. I don't blame you. I, I, I love my West, but you're talking about a team. I think the only, the only spread they've covered this year, correct me if I'm wrong, is the, uh, is the UT Martin spread to start the year. Or no, no, Old Dominion. They, no, they, they covered against Indiana. Oh, uh, not as a favorite. As a favorite, as a favorite, and covered against UT Martin, but the only other games they were favored in were UTSA, which they lost, and FIU, which they pushed, and that was a backdoor push, but push nonetheless because, you know, at the end of the game, if teams are throwing on them, they're they, point. They, maybe maybe I got just I, I watch them every single week, and I'm like uh, um, a roller coaster with them. I I, I, I like the under here. To your points, too, they. You know, even though they have four losses, they still have, a, I want to say, a decent chance to win CUSA East. Yep. It's going to come down to the FAU and the Marshall games. And I think they can win both games. They host FA, FAU. And because before, of that. Before it even gets to that, Chris, I think the Middle Tennessee State game is going to be key for them. Well, yeah, because suddenly Middle Tennessee is rejuvenated and they've got a quarterback. To, have you seen Chase Cunningham's numbers? Yeah, I mean, they're insane. Yeah, they kind of blew me away. Like, I was looking at them like, wait. It's very quiet. I actually checked our our, our spreadsheets because I thought we had a mistake. It's very quiet because they yes. went up to UConn. And I know UConn, worst team in the country, but – they went up there and they just dismantled them. And I, that tells me, cause there's been, it's been a minute since UConn 
And they've been covering against Wyoming. They've been covering against a whole bunch of teams. Yeah, and they, covering Vanderbilt. Yeah, and it looks like they it, – it looked like they were getting on track. MTSU just steamrolled them. I, that's, that's a game. I don't care what the, what the over-under is next week. I'm taking the over. And that's kind of why I want this under to hit because I think Vegas is going to start to adjust and go, okay, well, we'll bring it down to 71, 70 for MTSU. That game next week, make no mistake, is both teams are getting to high 30s, low 40s. Well, notice uh, already that they've adjusted because this week the total's a bit lower than last week. And I don't think there's a whole lot of reason for it to be any a whole lot lower other than the last two games have been lower scoring in Western Kentucky's going under. So, yeah, to make little adjustments. And then, you know, the, you're right. If this goes under, that could be another another adjustment down that would lead to a big uh, over. Yeah, next week is huh, – I'm looking my chops for that one. Uh, Chris, like I said earlier, 21-17-1, 6-2 in the locks, 4-4 four and four on your dogs. Uh, let's treat the people right here. Let's get them some plays. Let's get them some wins. Your first losing week, I think, of the season last week. Maybe second. Um, It'll happen. It, it will happen. Let's see how you respond. All right, I'm going to start off with my favorite game of the week. Uh, I'm going to take Mississippi State over Kentucky. And let's look at what Kentucky's done this year. They start the season off with a a dominant win against UL Monroe. No big deal. I know UL Monroe's pulled off some upsets, but it seems like they either get blown out or they upset a team as like 30-point dogs. I don't understand that team. but Like Troy? Yeah, like like Liberty, too. Uh, not a, not a big deal win for Kentucky there. Then the next week they play Missouri. They win close game by seven at home. I'm not going to give Kentucky a whole lot of credit for that seven point win at home. Uh, what we've learned about Missouri is they are shite. They suck. They can't stop the run. Kentucky's a running football team. Kentucky should have won that game by a heck of a lot more than seven. Following week, 32 and a half point favorites, and they beat Chattanooga by five, 28, 23. Then they go at South Carolina, their first road game of the year, and they win 16 to 10. And we're excited. We're happy. They laid four and a half in that game. So they covered. But what we've learned about South Carolina is South Carolina also sucks. Following week, Florida, the probably the most misleading, flukiest win of the season. I know Kentucky fans, uh, the gate, they, they, they went at me a little bit for saying it. But, uh, yeah, they were outgained by 158 yards, and they had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown, which, you know, that's a 10-point swing right there in a game that you won. Uh, what was the final there? 20-13, uh, to 13, that's a 10-point swing. You know, th- th- there's, your, there's your game right there. A lot of uh, turnovers and stuff for Florida. So, monumental win for Kentucky, but not a dominant win. Not, not what it looks like on paper. They didn't outplay Florida. Best game of the season they played was LSU 42, 21. They win LSU's kind of in shambles up and down uh, at Georgia. They get handled 30 to 13. They score at the end of the game to make it look closer than it really was. Uh, but you know, they, they got, they got handled by Georgia. 
Mississippi State, on the other hand, I'll tell you what, they've really impressed me. They had the first first week of the year, they get behind Miss Louisiana Tech and they come back and win a game. Everyone's down on them. Then the next week, they beat a decent NC State team when they were healthy, when they had their linebackers, when they had their offensive linemen all together. They beat NC State by 14 at home. Uh, following week, they massively outgained Memphis, and just stupid things happened in that game. That punt return that shouldn't have been a punt return gets uh, ends up being a touchdown, a fumble return for a touchdown. Mississippi State loses that game despite, uh, what was it, a 222-yard edge. Uh, also loses to LSU uh, with a plus 144-yard edge. So two losses where they had significant yardage edges back-to-back, could have won those games, could be 4-0. Instead, you know, they're 2-2. Two and two. Everyone's down on them. Then they go to Texas A&M. They beat A&M on Kyle Field. Uh, an awesome win now when you look back at it because A&M's looked really good the last few weeks. Uh, after their open date, they get blown out by Alabama, but yards were even in the first half against Alabama. They played Alabama tough in the first half. It was 21 to six Mississippi settled Mississippi state settled for field goals. They were, they, they were competitive with Bama for a half, which I'll give them credit for. Then they dominate to absolutely obliterate Vanderbilt last week on the road. Like they should Vanderbilt to me. And we saw it a couple weeks ago, comparative to South Carolina Kentucky did not blow out South Carolina. Vanderbilt, uh, Mississippi State did blow out Vanderbilt. I like Mississippi State at home with the Cowbells to win this game. They have a really good run defense. Kentucky is a run-only team. So I think the uh, the Bulldogs are going to shut that Kentucky run game down. I look for a low-scoring game like last year, but Mississippi State gets revenge for last year's embarrassing performance, wins that game. I hope somebody heard my cowbells. I don't know if it showed up. I heard something. I didn't know it was a cowbell, but thank you for uh, – there we go. Uh, for my dog, I'm going to go to Miami. They are getting 10 here. Uh, I think it's actually dropped to – what is it now, nine and a half? Yeah, and it's been a big drop. Well, two reasons that that is happening. Uh, Pitt, their leading receiver, Jordan Addison – they're leading rusher, uh, Israel Abanaconda. Both are questionable for this game. Highly questionable, I would say. Dirty hit by Skaliski, too, uh, from Clemson. Shocking. Yeah. Uh, but both both questionable with concussions after they, they got hurt against Clemson. And that would be a huge loss. Addison is Pickett's security blanket. He almost doubles all their, uh, their next best receiver in yardage and catches. Bonaconda is their only big back that they really use. The other two, Hammond and Vincent Davis, are more of scat backs, smaller. Uh, if you want to get a third and one, you need a, a bruiser. I don't want to call Bonaconda a bruiser, but I, I do think that he's a, a next-level type of running back because he has size and speed. And if he can't play, that hurts that pit offense. He had 140 yards rushing two weeks ago. And the other thing, and my my – Pitt fans can attest to this. Uh, it's it's what they call pitting. And an example of pitting is what Pitt did after they beat Tennessee on the road in what a lot of people felt in Pittsburgh was a huge win for the program, a huge non-conference 
road win against an SEC team. So what do they do the following week? They lose at home to a MAC team, a good MAC team, not a great MAC team, Western Michigan. But uh, I don't know how they keep doing these things over the years. Every time it seems like they turn a corner, they lay an egg the next game. And Miami's been pretty competitive, man. If you look at uh, the Virginia game, all they had to do was make that field goal, regardless of, you know, whether you think they should have settled for it or not. Borgala should have – he should be able to make that field goal. It was a short field goal. It should have can been – Can I say – can I – and, you know, I, I, I do a lot of stuff or have done a lot of stuff for Miami. You know what's funny is you look back at this team. They, they really – you know, look, you, you're going to get beat first game of the season – playing Alabama, you're at a huge disadvantage. I don't care who you are, right? That's fine. You hold on, you win a game you probably could have lost to App State, but App State in the driver's seat could win the Sun Belt, right? Scrappy team. A scrappy team, a tough team, not, not an easy out. You get dismantled by MSU, a top 10 team. Okay, now – but what what have we learned? Then you get in the ACC play, you lose a very close game to a Virginia team that, again, Brennan Armstrong is, I mean, he's putting up computer game numbers. Uh, you beat a pretty decent NC State team. You were right there against North Carolina. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. this team is not – last year, and I brought this up, and Miami fans don't want to hear it. Last year, this team won how many uh, one-possession games? This oh, yeah. year, how many one-possession games have they lost or won? They're 2-2. Two and two. They're not 5-0. and oh. it, it happens. You're going to lose one-possession games. And, you know, it's a good football. It, it, it's a good football team. It is. As much as they hate to hear that, it, it is a good football team. It's just. You know, hey, you, you're not gonna. You don't have Dr. King to save you at the end of the day. You're Tyler Van no, Dyke. No, Dyke's really good. Yeah, he's he's played other adequately against Virginia. Other than the first half against Virginia, I think that he's looked pretty good. I I think my question is is at the end of the game, you're down. You need to get the ball down quickly. Uh, into the other team's territory. Do, do you want D.R. King or you want TVD? Oh, no doubt about it, but I you know. I think that's the difference here. That's that's purely the difference. I, th- I think there's some other th- there's some boneheaded plays happening. There's some guys that just I mean, it's not a very uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very um, uh, a lot of penalties. Like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Chris? Uh, undisciplined? Yes. It's not a very disciplined team. Why am I thinking? Yeah. It's kind of Miami demo, ain't it? It's <laughs> like, like, well, yeah, hey, no, you ain't telling any, uh, you, you ain't telling any untruths there. But yeah, sorry, I, had to, I just had to interject there because I'm going to add Miami to my card. I, I do like your card. Yeah. So uh, uh, I'm going to go back to, my favorite conference, which is about to be decimated, and I'm going to end up having to 
start studying up on Tarleton State and uh, Sam Houston State because it looks like that's where CUSA is going to have to go if they want to survive. They're not but, taking the fun belt, Chris? No, no. That's Robbie's. I'm CUSA. And I'm wait, whatever. wait, wait, wait. But no, wait. So I thought what's left of CUSA, Western Kentucky would slide perfectly into, you know, Arc State and Coastal and App State. Western's I mean, what's that? Western's not going there. Southern Miss, James Madison, Old Dominion, and Marshall are going to are going to the Sun Belt. That's insane. Where's and Western Kentucky going to go? I have a theory on that. Obviously, there's nothing, nothing confirmed or even rumored, but my the theory is that Western Kentucky ends up going to the MAC. Who else go? Wait, let's do a little bit of this because this is fun. Uh, no, no offense. Okay, so Western so Kentucky this, goes to the MAC. The MAC's going to want to pull another team. Which These are the five schools that are left and basically got abandoned in the USA. Uh, Southern Miss, uh, no, not, not Southern Miss, sorry. Louisiana Tech, which is ironic because they railed against being included with Sunbelt teams because they don't want to be associated with Monroe and uh, Louisiana, formerly known as Lafayette. But now they are just basically in limbo. Uh, so Louisiana Tech, uh, UTEP, uh, Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee and Marshall, uh, right? No, Marshall's going to the Sun Belt. Okay. Um, I, I was I was shocked. Charlotte's going to the AAC. Uh, oh, that's a bad move for Charlotte. Oh God, they're gonna get murdered in there. Uh shoot. Well. I, Rice is going to the AAC. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who the other Yeah, I know at this point, but we got the but, gist of it. But yeah. Middle Tennessee State has Middle to Tennessee, go with. Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky would be the two that would make sense to go to the MAC. I mean, yeah. La Tech, this really, okay, this really screws up basketball for me because I love Conference USA basketball this year. I think it's electric. Uh, La Tech, UTEP, those southwestern schools, do they? I know I heard something about oh, FIU's the other team that's in limbo. FIU does not have conference. FIU's really screwed because I don't know where they would go. They don't fit in. There's yeah, there's nowhere for them to go because frankly, no one wants them. They get no coverage. They're in a city where there's already another college that gets way more press. I mean, I don't even know if FIU's a beat writer. Uh, it's that's brutal for the Panthers. And, and I'll tell you this too. It's um, it's sad. Cause that's a school that's actually had some success. I mean, they've, they've clawed for some, you know, they're not, they're not a team that's gone, you know, decades without winning. Right. Um, I, you know, I wonder if they just try and join up with, you know, uh, whatever the Mountain West is, or oh, Utah and LaTeX. I've been reading that CUSA is considering Tarleton State, Sam Houston State, New Mexico State to revive and keep the conference together. 
New Mexico State would at least have a geographic. The reason New Mexico State didn't work in the Sun Belt is because not a single school in the Sun Belt was anywhere near them. At least UTEP is in CUSA and close to them. Um, what everybody, everybody would, else? Would it make and, sense for Army? I don't think so. I only bring I, that. I only bring that up because you you have you. <laughs> You could have a powerhouse, right? And, and, and there's not many independents out there anymore. Maybe maybe UConn. I don't know. Uh, Liberty is another possible. That makes sense, too. I, I could see Liberty, Liberty doing Liberty that. So Liberty might end up going to CUSA. You know, I, I think that's wildly interesting. Let's get back to your pick. Sorry to cut you off. You said so, you dropped a you dropped a CBD bomb there, and I liked it. Uh, yeah, going back to CUSA though, the the current CUSA, I love UTEP. I mean, I love FAU over UTEP this week. Um, the Owls got rolling. I think they've got the defense to contend with UTEP's offense. Uh, UTEP really. No, I don't want to say they're a one-man show because I do think they have uh, another good receiver. Their running game has been decent. But cowing is what makes that go. I think Zion Gilbert, FAU's experienced all-conference corner, will handle that uh, that with maturity. And I think that he'll limit cowing. Um, and, you know, I, I was down on UTEP two weeks ago when they played Louisiana Tech and I jumped the gun going against them because they hadn't played anybody. Uh, they beat Louisiana Tech at home 19-3, but I will say this, what we learned about Louisiana Tech is that they're not playing very well right now. And FAU is playing pretty well, you know, other than that Air Force game uh, in the Florida game in the opener, which they were just outmatched, FAU's played pretty well. They're 12-6 against the spread against CUSA opponents. They're not going to look past UTEP because they're six and one. Um, UTEP's played one of the weakest schedules in the country. We've got it the number one twenty-eight weakest schedule, and most of the offensive success they've had has been, or most of the defensive success they've had has been against teams like Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and New Mexico, who can't score no matter who they play. Anyways, I was really impressed by FAU last week in the second half. 31 nothing in the second half against Charlotte. They really handled that well after they had some adversity in the first half. Really good pass defense, uh, allowing 53%, 188 pass yards a game. We have the number 25 pass D ranking. So I see a lot of reasons to like FAU, and I think that uh, UTEP, having gotten bowl eligible already, might have been spending their bye week having a little too much fun. So I'll take the Owls there. Um to throw one more game out, I like uh, I I do like I'm gonna go Utah over UCLA. Um, DTR banged up, not sure how well he's gonna do this week. I think Utah is playing better at home with the elevation behind him. I think they're good. And uh, one more game I'm gonna throw. I'll take the points of Florida State because. I don't understand why Clemson keeps laying points like this. Why are they a 10-point favorite? Now their running back has COVID. Uh, Pace, who's their leading rusher, they do have Shipley back, but they only have two running backs left. Uh, I they imagine mean, if – and it's kind of like what you've seen in Green Bay. If one guy's got it, chances are a few others have it. 
Well, they lost a wide receiver last week. Uh, was it uh, Ngata, I think, was out with COVID last week. They also lost their starting left guard, Bach Horst, who was one of their only good offensive linemen. He's out for the year now. And Uyengalele just he, – he got benched last week, and he's just not very good. Uh, Pumashan isn't much better. I don't understand why they're laying 10 points. I'll take, I'll, I'll play against Clemson every week from here on out until they show me something or until I, they end up. They have screw. not covered a single spread this season, correct? Right. 0 and 7 against the spread. Um, and they've given really no reason to think that that's going to change. Like every week, they keep being installed as a favorite or last week a small dog against a really good pit team. And it's like, but. What have they done to their at this point? It just really is off name. And Florida State's playing better. They were, you know, they were owned for. They they got hammered, but they they've won their last three. They they, you know, you talked about how how resurgent Syracuse is. They beat Syracuse. Um, they at the beginning of the year they were competitive against Notre Dame. Uh, who who they they're, you know, they they beat UMass. No big deal, but. Couple weeks ago, they they went to North Carolina and absolutely smoked the Tar Heels. So, I, I think North Carolina is a better team than Florida State. I mean, I, I'm sorry, than Clemson. I'm all over the place tonight, but yeah. I, I think we can agree right now. North Carolina, despite uh, their issues, is probably a better team than Clemson. You know, and and I will say because I have, and I'm gonna, you know, just throw this out there. Unless you have any more picks, uh, Florida State's my dog of the week too, and it's. Our- purely for that same reason i mean there's not many dogs you can pick this week but and you and you speak a lot too and i want to hear your thoughts about a get right game you you get umass in the middle of that schedule and it's like okay you you pound the living snot out of them do you get right do you feel good going into this clemson game Oh, I absolutely think you do. You've won your last three games. You already won a big road game against North Carolina. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think it was a get right game for them last week because I think they already had gotten right from the previous two games. But I think what it did was uh, it cemented that they can dominate somebody. And when you dominate somebody, you feel really good about yourself. When you just totally take someone's will and, you know, you take all their energy away, that that gives you that extra burst. Like, you know, now we know what we're capable of. And I think we've seen that from Florida State now. You know, think about think back to a few uh, a few weeks ago early in the season when they had a game, had a team they should have dominated and was Jacksonville State. Uh, yeah. They lost to in that Hail Mary, uh, which wasn't even really a Hail Mary. Is, it was just a, is Mackenzie Milton hurt again? Because I know Jordan Travis is like. No, he just, just benched. And I, I think Jordan Travis is a better quarterback than Uyengalele. Never thought I'd say that before the season started, but he's got a higher completion percentage and he's a way better runner than Uyakalele. I that's partly I the he's a guy that can, if you let him, he'll get over a hundred yards rush. Absolutely. He's dangerous when he when he runs it. He's a serviceable passer, but because of his legs, things can open up downfield. And you know, that makes a difference sometimes and just there's nothing about Clemson that even you go back to that Boston college game when they beat Boston college, if, if Grossel doesn't fumble a snap where he took his eyes off the snap in the fourth quarter, when they're down six and driving Boston college probably would have won that game. 
because Clemson wasn't really stopping them on that final drive. So they, they could have another loss added to the schedule. I, I just don't. You know what's is- really interesting, too, to add all into it? Uh, from my sources, I keep hearing, you know, Dabo. I think I I think there's a lot of issues in the coaching staff. I think there's a lot of problems um in the program right now. It's not healthy. It's not it's not doing great. Despite the five stars and the six platinum rhombuses that they have, th- there's some real consternation in that program from top down and you can see it out on the field. Well, I mean really when you look at what they've had a quarterback. Um, and, you know, I was talking to somebody about this this week. What, what's, what is Clemson's weakness offensively been during these last six, seven dominant years of Clemson football? What's the weakness been? Uh, you know, I, I think for me personally, I think it's a, uh, it's been a over saturation on the screen uh, passing game for me. That's, I don't know if that's what this person said. Well, I, I was, I was more thinking positionally. What, what's the one position that they're not known for? Oh, their offensive line has been really? horrific. Offensive line. Even when they were really, really good. Was they're not putting good. dudes in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So when they had when they had Trevor Lawrence, when they had Deshaun Watson, when they had Travis Etienne, uh, and all the talented players, the receivers and running backs, quarterbacks, going back to Taj Boyd, when they had those guys, they were able to mask the issues on the offensive line, and it you know kind of you know made up for it, so to speak. And now what we're seeing is the quarterback, the running back, the receivers cannot mask that issue right now because they're not good enough and the offensive line is a real problem they didn't run the ball well last year they're not running it well this year and they can't protect the quarterback all that well offensive line is just not a strength for them they're gonna have to figure that out because to to consistently play at that level you know you got to keep your quarterback healthy you got to keep your running backs healthy got to have a good offensive line they're good for acc standards but that's not saying anything so i yeah the offensive line's been an issue and i i think we're seeing the fruit of that weakness coming to bear because their quarterback is no longer that next level talent that can mask any issue you possibly have much agreed chris is uh I, i'm gonna jump in unless you got another pick I'm good. I think I've had enough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes, you did, sir. Five picks on the board for Chris. Uh, CVD back at it. He's going to have a winning week this week. Uh, I am coming off an, uh, just an absolute abortion of a week. 36, 31, uh, five, five and eight last week, five and seven on my locks on the season, five and three on my dogs this season. Um, Let's get right into it. Uh, I, I'm going to give you my two dogs. We've already talked about them. FSU plus 10, Miami plus nine and a half. Uh, I, 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 got a, I got a few overs plays and totals I like here. Like I said, 
Western Kentucky, Charlotte, under 73. I'm really kind of liking this Maryland under 49 and a half. I, I think this Maryland offense is absolutely sputtered um, in I the agree. past few That's a good call, uh, too. I think 49 and a half is just way too many points. I mean, this is kind of a gift. Indiana's offense, I, I don't give I, – I don't really care if Jack Tuttle was playing. It sounds like he's uh, a couple weeks away. I, I don't – this Indiana offense is awful. I mean, Stephen Carr can't get a running game going. Fry Fogle is – you know, he he's not dynamic like he was last year. Penix is out. I, I don't see anything about this Indiana offense that I like. Their defense is pretty solid. Solid enough to, you know, I think stifle uh, Talia Tungavailoa. But 49 and a half, I, I, I mean, I'd be shocked if one of these teams got the 30. So give me 49 and a half under there. I, I like that quite a bit. I'm actually going to make that a lock of the week. Uh, BYU, Virginia, over. I, I, I think these Cavaliers, Brendan Armstrong can throw – I watched a good bit of that BYU-Washington State game uh, up in Wazoo. Lovely Pullman. Shout out to you, Jake Mulbire. Get out of the Army soon. Come join us. Um, but Virginia's got a really good offense. Their defense is the drizzling shits. Uh, Algiers for BYU is a really strong running back. I fully expect him to get everything he wants. Um, I, I, I can't see a reason why both teams can't get to 30 and so that's why I like the over 64 because I'm not buying this BYU defense I mean we just saw them give all, almost 40 up to Baylor um, and I think Brendan Armstrong on an okay day gets into the 20s this Virginia defense actually is really bad uh, despite shutting out Duke um, Texas Tech Oklahoma over Going back to Norman, uh, I think they can get over 66 and a half. This Oklahoma defense is horrific, uh, but so is the Texas Tech defense. I don't know how they lost that game to Kansas State last week. Uh, I mean, it was like a Three Stooges movie. I, I think Texas Tech, you know, this can be like a 48-23 game, something like that. I, I think it goes over just barely. Um, but I'm, I'm going to take a shot there. What do you, th- what I, you say, Chris? Can I add a thought to that? Yeah, please do. I think, and uh, there's a lot of questions on why Texas Tech made the move to fire Matt Wells when they did. And, you know, we saw a lot of comments from their AD saying they wanted to get back to Texas Tech football, which was throwing the ball, putting the ball in the air, and being that high-powered offense, kind of, kind of forced the uh, – uh, Wells into hiring Sonny Cumbie as his OC. I don't think he was real thrilled with that. And they ended up, you know, Wells kind of went in the opposite direction and tried to focus on running the ball. And they fired him for it. So what do you think they're going to do now, Sonny Cumbie, the former Texas Tech quarterback, is going to do? They're going to be slinging it. So look for I, Texas Tech's offense to change this week it, and, and try to throw the ball a lot more. And that's what I, I like. You kind of saw it when Texas Tech does well this year. They've had moments where they've just been slinging it, and they've had moments where they just get away from it, and it's it's not working. I think against Oklahoma, 
if, if Bean from uh, from Kansas can have success, uh, Henry Columbi can can have success. You know, I could easily see Texas Tech getting into the 30s. I could see it, but I think Oklahoma is going to get their 50 burger. I I, I quite like that over. Um, so we're not going to make it a lock, but I do like it quite a bit. It'll be on my tickets. Uga, uh, Uga 17 or whatever dog they're on here. Give me, give me the Bulldogs, minus 14. Um, beat them if you can. Survive if they let you type deal. I'm going to go back to a team I've been playing, Chris, for three straight weeks now. Cincinnati. Um, I, I got stung. We, got, we both got stung by the Navy. I'm going to keep the ball for as long as humanly possible and then give it back to you so you can score and then do the same same thing again. Um, at Tulane, God, that defense. I, and I love Tulane. I'm a big fan of the Green Wave. I buy the merch. I watch the games. I support them. I think they're actually a good team if they actually had a defense. If they played defense – they would be a good team. Michael Pratt and some of those guys on offense are fun to watch. I keep getting the feeling Tulane's going to shock somebody this year. I just don't think they can even stay close with Cincinnati because they're going to play right into Cincinnati's hands. Give me Cincy minus 24. Give me the over 62. Double dip in there. I like that quite a bit. Um, don't forget we'll Pratt's questionable. What's that? Don't forget, Pratt's questionable. He had a concussion last week, but I think he'll play because that dude's nuts. Bear that in mind, folks. I'll keep it on the card, but bear it in mind. Uh, Lock of the week, and and Chris disagrees with me a little bit on this. A little bit. Give me the Demon Deacons, minus 16 and a half. And look. Oh, I don't disagree with you. Well, Mateo Durant, I, I feel like this I just is... have reservations, but I, my line was 21, so... My, my, my worry about this game, and I think you can play the over, but I get scared about Duke because I've had so many friends sit there and go, well, I played the Duke over, and they scored four points, and the other I'm team scored them. 60. I, I played the over twice on the Duke games this year against Virginia and North Carolina. They combined for seven freaking points those two games. I, Every other game they score in the 20s and 30s. I those really feel, I, to me, this is my lock of the week for the sheer fact that I don't know that I can tell you Army wouldn't have done what they did to Wake Forest if they were playing Virginia or North Carolina. I think both those, all those defenses are in a vacuum about the same. The only difference being Sam Hartman uh, to Robinson or A.T. Perry, I mean, that's just been electric. Those guys are getting open. His offensive line has given them all the time in the day. It's just a well-put-together offense. I don't know how Duke can keep up with them. Their defense surely can't stop them. Give me the Demon Deacons. And that will be all. I am not adding my Spartans to the card for the sheer fact that I hate betting. No, you know what? We're putting the Spartans on the card. Spartans, 
money line. Don't, keep your points, Chris. Keep them. <laughs> Spartans money line. Just kidding, folks. We, we think I'm not going to take Michigan State biggest game of the year. Get out of here. All right. Um, Bobcat will be back. He's in timeout. He'll allude to it when when he's allowed back on the program. Uh, Chris, you don't know why. I'll tell you off air. Um, thank you to JC, UGA Sportswire. Thank you for staying with us. Me and Chris went a little bit late, but uh, when it's just us two talking, we're, we're just like a couple girls gossiping. Uh, Chris, for the folks, what you got going on in NC Sports this week? What do you got uh, happening? Uh First off, don't forget to listen to the Power Suite podcast. Uh, my hey, good trust friend, me, folks, you do not want to miss this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my good friend Stu is my guest this week. Uh, our guest, I should say. And uh, uh, it was interesting. Uh, I asked him specifically to break down the Michigan-Michigan State game. <laughs> Excuse me. And what I got was uh, uh, five minutes of – Something I, it, I, I it was almost told. like WWF circa 98. Okay, that's yeah. all I'm gonna yeah. say. Yeah, it was definitely something I enjoyed it. Uh, we probably don't have any listeners from the University of Michigan anymore, they've all probably blocked our podcast completely. They're never gonna <laughs> listen to it, again. but that's okay. Um but as well, we have the NFL game of the month this week at North Coast Sports. NFL plays are red hot. Uh, I'll get you that record. Uh, coming into this week, we are uh, 17 and 6 on our NFL late phone plays. Have gone uh, also the last two Monday nights, we've hit side and total. So it's been an uh, awesome NFL season for us. Uh, I am not the handicapper for the NFL, so I can't take credit, but uh, it's been a good year for North Coast across the board. Doing well in college totals, 13 and five. Uh, but make sure you jump on board for Power Sweep. Go to ncsports.com. Go to, uh, or you can call us at 1 800 654 3448. And I'll tell you what, uh, for your listeners, if you hit me up on Twitter, uh, I will send you one free copy of Power Sweep this week. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, you can just hit me with a direct message. My, my DMs are open. Uh, I don't want any weird pictures or anything. Just uh, hit me up. Give me your email address. Make sure you follow me. If you're not following me, make sure you follow me or else I'm not doing it. Follow me. Give me your email address. I will shoot you a free copy of Power Sweep this week. Hey, folks, I'm going to tell you what. If you're not taking advantage of the free copy of Power Sweep, because there's some games we don't go over specifically every week, um, and, and those games tend to hit uh, because they are on Power Sweep, uh, and me and Chris make that decision. Um, you, you're, you're losing out, especially because it's not going to get any easier, folks. The lines are going to get sharper. Vegas is starting to figure out teams. We got data points. You're going to want power sweep for all the in-depth uh, analysis you guys do. Um, so yeah, take take up Chris on that. Uh, his his uh, Twitter handle will be in the link for this show. Check us out Friday. We got coming up college basketball with Jim Root. We got odds on his truth this week. Always on the In The Money YouTube channel. And CBD, it's time for us to go watch our Bravos win a game. 
for Chris Van Dyne, for J.C. Shelton, for the Bobcat. I am Stu. We'll see you next week. Go green. Beat Michigan.